But today, I've got the privilege of starting a new sermon series, and I am not Claire Thompson, who was going to be preaching here, but she's unwell, so you've got me. But our sermon series is really called Contended, and it's about why following Jesus is hard. And I don't know if you feel that following Jesus is hard. I'll, I'll just take a little straw poll. Hands up who feels following Jesus is hard. Yeah, that's, that's a lot of you. And how many people find it really, really easy? Well, no one, no one seems to find it easy. I suppose, in a, in a way, Jesus says some things that are quite challenging about following him. On the one hand, he says, Come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me. You know, it's kind of, oh, that sounds easy. Let's become a Christian. Life is going to be easier if I've got God in my life. Anyone ever felt that? Life should be easier if I've got God in my life. And maybe I'll be a bit of a nicer person if I've got God in my life. Anyone ever felt that? Jesus also talked about the kingdom of God like a narrow way. And he also said this to his followers, in this world you will have trouble. Now why, why should that be? Why should um, being a Christian, being a follower of Jesus, get us into trouble? I just want to unpack a little bit today at the start of a series about why following Jesus is hard. But also, as we look at this series, how we can have some tools for the discipleship journey that help us in following Jesus. And I want to start off by saying that most good things in life are hard, aren't they? I mean, who's tried to play a musical instrument here? I mean, it's hard, isn't it? You've got to work at it. You've got to get some disciplines, and it doesn't seem pleasant. You think, I'd love to play the keyboard really well. Then you've got to, oh, it doesn't, you've got to practice scales. And, and if you try to learn the violin, any violinist here? Oh, that sounds awful, doesn't it? I mean, anyway, not now, I mean, but it did. The, so that's hard. And some of the things that we most want to do, welcome back, Catherine and Mark, from your honeymoon. Nice to see you, having married you here just a Last week, was it? Was it a week ago? It's gone quickly. Um, marriage is hard. I mean, it's a joyful thing. It's a thing that people commit to doing all the time. And yet, actually, marriage is hard, isn't it? Any married people here? Is it hard? It's the other person's fault, though, isn't it? You know what I'm saying? Why, why is following Jesus hard? There's, there's a few reasons that I want to, to suggest might be true. First of all is the bar is high. I mean, almost impossibly high. Jesus calls us to imitate him. And when we look at Jesus, you know, actually to be a disciple is to be an apprentice. An apprentice is to be like the master, to pick up the skills of the master. It's a, it's a, that's what discipleship is, really. It's being apprenticed to God himself in Jesus Christ, to do the things that Jesus did, to become the kind of person that Jesus is. And, and Jesus one time said, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. He sets the bar pretty high, doesn't he? And I want to suggest that for most of us, perfection wasn't what we were really into when we, when we joined up. I think it was, I'd like to be a bit nicer. I, I, you know, I'd like, maybe I'd like life to be a bit easier. I'd like, to, 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 I'd like Jesus to deal with my sins and my anxieties. And I'd like to be a bit, a bit of a better person. And anyone like that? I mean, how many people signed up for perfection? 
But honestly, God is wanting to reproduce the life of Jesus in us. We've got a big sign at the back wall there. It says, continually reproducing the life of Jesus. This is what we're about as a church. So that's going to be hard, isn't it? You know, if, if you're a footballer, you're trying to reproduce the life of Messi or, you know, whatever. You know, it's kind of, it's going to be hard. So that's one reason. But there are other reasons why it's hard. And I've got to say that to become a Christian or to be a Christian or to live the Christian life is so hard that it's actually impossible without God doing it. So the bad news is being a Christian is hard. <laughs> the good news is God wants to form his own life in you by his spirit, and he wants to do it. So that's good news, isn't it? We're not on our own trying to live the Christian life. We're in the hands of, of Almighty God. So we're like clay who has offered ourselves to the potter and said, you know, we can't make ourselves into a beautiful pot, but maybe if we put ourselves in the hands of the potter, he will. But it is about surrendering into the hands of God. So actually, discipleship is partly a, a surrender, which is so profound that it can sometimes be described as a death. This evening, we're going to be baptizing somebody. And uh, she is going to be saying, as she gets into the water, that she wants to live her whole life for God. And, and baptism is a bit like a sign of death and resurrection, because it's not about becoming nicer people, but new creations. So I don't know about you, but part of the problem that I have about following Jesus is the problem of me. So within me, I am in a bit of a civil war. Part of me honestly wants to be good. Part of me honestly wants to follow Jesus. And part of me really doesn't want to. I am, I, part of me is a rebel. Part of me has got a limited capacity for God. Do you, anyone like me in, in that one? In fact, the, the Bible talks about this, that in, in the book of Romans, Paul, um, in Romans chapter 7, kind of gives a little bit of a description of the human predicament. If those verses are there, that would be great, but if they're not there, I'll read them myself. So Paul writes in Romans 7, we know the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I don't understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it's no longer I myself who do it, but it's sin living in me. Will that do? Anyway, oh yeah, I'll, a bit more. For I know that good itself doesn't dwell in me. That is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. Actually, the wholeness course that we're starting on Tuesday is a little bit of a chance to explore what it means to kind of have a more profound surrender to, to help deal with some of that civil war that we all find in ourselves. But honestly, hand up, I've only got so much capacity for God. I've only got so much capacity for prayer. I, it's, I, I often say this, it's a bit like, you know, I've only got so much capacity for sunshine. I love the sun. I want to be in, in, you know, out there and get a nice tan, enjoy the sunny weather. But after a while, I've got to get back indoors. I've only got so much capacity for it. And God is a consuming fire. And his nature is pure. And honestly, it's, I find it demanding being good because I quite, I'm quite comfy being selfish. I quite like it. So that's a challenge. Me, I'm the challenge. Here's the second challenge about following God. 
we live in the world. And the world as it is, I'm not talking about creation, but I'm talking about the world systems that we live in, if you like. The values and norms of our world can be challenging when it comes to the Christian faith. The Bible kind of suggests that when God created the world, he made it good, but it's not fulfilling its original design. It's a bit broken. And, and the Bible also talks about some of the powers that are in this world, and we know some of them. The power of materialism. Jesus talked about it. He said, you can't serve two masters. You, you can't serve God and mammon. That was the word for materialism. You know, just where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And in another parable in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus tells a parable of the sower. And he talks about people who kind of, kind of, there's a seed that's sown, which is like God's word, God's truth. And people get hold of it or not, but for many of them, they, they kind of lose heart along the way. And he talks about the seed that fell amongst the thorns. And when he's explaining what that means, he says, the, 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 the worries and riches of this life choke the seed and make it unfruitful. In other words, life has a way of making us distracted from following God. It might be the distractions that come from the pleasures and material comforts or the pursuit of them in this life. It might be from the pressures and difficulties that come from being really challenged by the world, by, by having financial challenges, by having just a kind of uh, uh, overwhelmed with responsibilities and busyness. But just the world that we live in can make it hard for us to follow God. Because honestly, to follow God, we need to drink from a deep well. We need to know him. And we can have our mind, our attention fixed on so many other things. And we can even give ourselves to other things. So the, the Bible calls our giving ourselves to things other than God idolatry. The Old Testament is full of it, and it's very graphic there. But our modern world is full of contemporary idols that we can give ourselves to, that can excite and get our attention, but have nothing to do with God, with goodness, or the, the, the thriving of ourselves or other people or the planet. So just, you know, the way I see it, it's kind of like just left to, to, to myself in the world I'm probably going to become a little bit more selfish, a little bit more cynical, a little bit more bitter. It's a bit like, you know, you, you put a metal object, an iron object out, just leave it alone, it'll get rusty. <laughs> you don't need to do anything bad to it for it to decay, it just will. And honestly, left to ourselves, we're going to maybe, we're living against the tide, is what I'm trying to say. And we'll, we'll find that we're diminishing in the image of God rather than growing in it just left our own devices we do need help i think so here's another challenge for us about the world that we live in in ephesians chapter 6 paul writes for our struggle is not against flesh and blood but in well it's, yeah yeah our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers against the authorities against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. In other words, what, what he's saying is there is pushback. If you have a, a biblical worldview, you will find that there are different realms. There is very much the human realm, the realm that we all live in and we do our business in. 
that we perceive to our senses. That's the most visible realm of all. But the Bible speaks about this kind of spiritual realm that's God's kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. And, and those of us who kind of love God, believe in God, pursue him, we're kind of aware of that. We pray to God and, and we, we believe him for good things. But the Bible also speaks of, a, of another spiritual realm, which is satanic, to put it bluntly, you know. And it's harder for us to believe in that, I think, or to perceive it, really. But the, the Bible speaks of a, of a power of evil, which can be manifested in all kinds of ways. It can be managed, manifested in the grotesqueness of evil, where people carry out atrocities against one another. And we, we see that. But there's a more subtle evil, which is to do with just the apathy, the cynicism, the negativity, the, the drift, the push that can affect our souls. In the Bible, the picture of the kingdom that Jesus gives us is one where the kingdom is breaking in and is being resisted. And so one of the signs of Jesus is that he drove out evil powers wherever he was. And he said, the kingdom of heaven is forcefully advancing and forceful people, they hold it. To get hold of the kingdom of God, we need to be a bit a bit strong and we need the strength of God behind it. And whenever Jesus did something good, there tended to be criticism, pushback. He did a miracle and people want to put him to death. He did miracles and it destabilized the world. And what you will find is, if you're a follower of Jesus, you've been enlisted in a battle. It's not just about becoming a better person, though that in itself is too low a goal. It's not just about a self-improvement class. It's about being recruited for the mission of God, which is to see the whole of creation restored into God's ultimate good, true, and loving purposes. But you're doing that in hostile territory where there is a spiritual enemy of your souls that wants to diminish the image of God in you and in those around you. So sometimes when we become a Christian, things get harder. They get harder in our flesh life, in our, this internal civil war, because things that we thought were fine, suddenly we think, oh, I need to change in that area, and it's hard. I need to forgive that person that I felt it was okay to feel angry with because God's told me, forgive as you've been forgiven. I need to deal with that appetite in my life because actually that's a little bit of an idol for me. So it becomes hard because we are trying to, to follow God with the raw material of me. It becomes hard in the world because actually the pathways that we're called to follow may it may be that actually my ambition needs to take a nose drive, that, that actually being ruthless in my career isn't an option for me anymore. The lack of integrity or going with the crowd or whatever it is, is not an option anymore. And the, the world is going to be a more challenging place for me to live in now because I'm trying to follow Jesus through the world. And I may come into conflict with the systems of this world. And it may be, as I follow Jesus, that I suddenly become aware that I put my head above the parapet and that there's a spiritual enemy who's trying to stop me pursuing goodness. And that may have all kinds of ways of, of um, manifesting itself. But the fact is that I've become a bit aware now, oh, gosh, there's opposition. 
I'm living against the tide. And it's not just the tide of my own nature. It's not just the tide of this world, but there's a spiritual power too involved in that. So there are two remedies that can help us. We're going to talk about other remedies and other tools for discipleship as we go through this little series. But um, I'm just going to read from Acts whoa, chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. And this is the story of the very first church community. It says this about them. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. There's something about because life is hard that we need one another. In fact, the writer of the book of Hebrews says, let's encourage one another daily as long as it's called today, lest we become hardened by sin's deceitfulness. And communities help individuals pursue their dream and go with their goal. It's really hard to be that great musician unless you've got a teacher and maybe a community. It's really hard to be a great sportsman unless you're part of a club and get some, uh, some training and tuition. It's really hard to be a great married person if you're single. It's really hard to, <laughs> to do almost anything without the help of other people. And actually, as a community here at Woody's, we want to be a community that helps one another on that discipleship pathway. And one way that we want to do that is as we disciple to Jesus, become apprentices of Jesus, we want to help one another find mini um, apprentice masters. And we call that mentoring. Just people who are going to come alongside you, support you and help you in your spiritual journey. But hopefully just being around a community that worships and listens to God's word and prays is going to help you on that discipleship journey. But most important of all, God wants to give us his Holy Spirit. Jesus set the bar really high for his disciples and then promised to, to accomplish in them and through them by his spirit the things that he was calling them to do. Do you remember he said to the 12 disciples or the 11 Go into all the world, make disciples of all nations. That was a pretty high bar, wasn't it? But he says, don't leave until you're filled with power. And he talked about the gift of the Holy Spirit that was going to help them to do that call. When Jesus sent his disciples out on their missionary journey, he said, don't go with staff, with change of clothes, with money. Be dependent. But the place of dependency is the place of allowing God to do what you can't do. Dependency shows us in a really helpful way, I can never be good. The raw material of me can never be good. But the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the things that God is growing in me, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, are transformational. It's not about me. It's about me surrendering to God and letting God form his image in me. Now, for me, I've been a Christian for a very long time. Certainly for 50 or more years, I've been a Christian. You think, he became a Christian in his mother's womb. How could that happen? But honestly, I was older than that. And I can get 
a bit in the Christian groove of trying to live the Christian life without the help of God's Spirit. I don't know if that applies to you too, but it happens to us. We, brothers and sisters, <laughs> we have to keep dependent on God. And honestly, it's a daily thing. Today, God, help me. Today, Lord God, give me your Holy Spirit. Today, God, show me my blind spots. Today, God, help me deal with my appetites. Today, God, will you increase the, 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 the lordship of Christ in me. May your kingdom come in me. The challenge for, for me is God doesn't let me get away with stuff. And I, it's deeply challenging for me being a Christian, but I also, I'm so aware of, of his power to, to do more in me than I could do in me. And it's a rich and extraordinary life. And I want to call you to it. And as we go into communion, communion like baptism is a saying, I'm a disciple, I'm in. But it's coming to God for his help. So when we take communion, we're recalibrating our lives around following Jesus. We're remembering that when Jesus died on the cross, it was to ransom us from powers that were too strong for us. And we're saying again, where it's too hard for me, God, I need your rescue, do it again. It's saying that where I've got mucky in the battle of life, I need to be cleansed, do it again. It's saying, God, where I need to be filled with your spirit, do it again. And so we're inviting you to, to live this discipleship life. And we're saying it is a hard life, but it is the life. It's a life that begins now that leads into eternal life. It's a life where God has bigger dreams for you than you have for you. It's a life where God comes by his spirit and says, I am in the business of transforming people from dust into diamonds. And if you feel dusty today, God has the power to make you shine like a star. And that's where you're going, honestly, as a follower of Jesus. That's, that's where you're going to be. I mean, I guess something's going to happen on the other side of the grave. But um, a good part of it's going to happen now. So I'm going to pray and then hand to Rachel, who's going to lead us in an opportunity for communion and um, ministry time too. So Father God, as I stand here today, I want to acknowledge, first of all, that I need you. Unless the Lord builds a house, the builder labors in vain, and the building that's me, that's David Mitchell, needs a bit of building from you. And I want to pray that you would fill me again with your spirit. And I want to pray for us as a group of people in this building, some of us here for the very first time. I want to pray, Lord God, that we would have our, our attention on the fact that God is for us, loves us so much. And that where we come like little children, like Hazel and Gideon, unable to kind of do life without some nurture and stewarding. We, we say we want to come like little children to you, Lord God, and let you form the image of Jesus in us. Help us to be all that you've made us to be. Amen.